Welcome back to another death-defying episode of the You Know Show. We are two geeks to talk about everything. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Landon. Say hi. Hi. Uh, oh, wait. Good day. That's How we doing? Day. I'm great. I just saw a really cool movie. Oh, really? What'd you say? <laughs> Something we're going to talk about. Oh, oh, you saw Mission Impossible. Got it. Yeah, that's right. I say, okay. Uh, today, we are diving into the heart-pounding world of espionage and the jaw-drumping, dropping, drumping, dropping, Drop. jaw-dropping stunts. Drump it. You would draw, drop it. Jaw-leaning um, stunts as we dissect and the latest installment of the Mission Impossible franchise, Dead Reckoning Part 1, which implies that there's going to be a Part 2. Uh, so hold on to your seats, buckle up, because this episode is filled with action-packed discussions, intriguing plot twists, and yes, a few spoilers. Well, a lot of spoilers along the way. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to preserve the thrill of discovery, uh, hit pause, rush to the theater, join us after you've witnessed the heart-stopping adventure firsthand. For the rest of you intrepid souls who have already embarked on this thrilling journey, Get ready for an electrifying ride as we break down every pulse-pounding moment of the film. Let's dive in, shall we? Or let's uh, drive our motorcycles off of a giant cliff and then dive in. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. More accurate? Okay, there's overall a lot, thoughts. a lot of options. Um, well, I, you know, I actually, I, just, I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I loved the movie. It was, um, it was good. There were so many, it gave me a lot of things. First of all, there was a lot of new, but there was also a lot of throwbacks and callbacks to the first movie. Um, and it was fun to watch that. And th things as subtle as Max's, uh, from the first movie, the arms dealer Max, um, her daughter having, granddaughter? Daughter? I don't even know what Daughter, yeah. Daughter, yeah. Her, her daughter doing the same nose crinkle to the point that it was, even planned i mean it was so accurate you had uh of course train sequences you had i mean just references uh kittredge being back i mean there's just a definite um attempt to make make you uh, remember the first one um, right so i i love that and i also love the plot and and the uh uh, just the development, the surprises, uh, the AI aspect. I mean, there's so, so much that I enjoyed about this movie. Um, it didn't feel, did you, you know, like, let me say it this way. As I've been watching the Mission Impossible movies, each one has felt like, oh, another Mission Impossible movie. And even though I loved Fallout and enjoyed Henry Cavill, and I thought the fight sequences were great, and it was a cool You mean plot. where he, like, reloaded his arms <laughs> Oh my gosh. And that bathroom scene, that was a crazy. And he's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> he reloaded his own. Yeah. But each one of those was, you know, it's, it was just, it was another mission possible. This did not feel like that. This felt new, original. It was great. What about you? Um, I get what you're saying as far as like it, it felt like it wasn't just another mission impossible movie. It, this time it feels like they're wrapping it up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like this is this is building up to the end of ethan hunt's career yeah. um and uh i'm not I, you know i think that's a good thing because you know we, we talked about it last time like these franchises keep going and going and going this at some point 
it's got to stop. Yeah, it's like good. every time they you know, begin filming a new Mission Impossible movie, I'm just waiting for the news to break that Tom Cruise sadly lost his life performing some <laughs> death-defying stunt uh, because he, you know, insisted on doing it himself instead of letting a stuntman do it. Um, he is thankfully that has man. not happened. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, everything everything you see him do on screen, he he does it at risk of life and limb. Um, yeah. Which is just, it's crazy to me. Dude's 60 years old. Um, it allows for some pretty incredible non-CGI shots, though. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, as as someone who enjoys authentic filmmaking, I, you know, I can certainly appreciate his devotion to, uh, I'm going to say it, the craft. Um, you know, not just acting his part, but um, you know, fully investing in every single thing that his character has to do throughout the story. Um, you know, I I can't help but admire him in in that sense. You know, I personally, you know, I know take him or leave him. But as an actor, Tom Cruise is just fantastic. And there, there um, is a bit of a there is a bit of a disclaimer we feel we have to do because he because he's i guess someone considered to be crazy personally but then again you know there's there's just no doubt especially with maverick and this i mean it's just all the more validating about his skill of acting oh yeah yeah i mean and he's he's not perfect i mean in, in any sense i mean he's had his share of flops as well i mean right. look at the mummy and um it's it's not as if everything is is perfection for for every movie he makes, but, um, but gosh, yeah, this, so, so this mission impossible, I did like you, I, I really enjoyed the throwbacks and, you know, um, uh, oh shoot. What's her name? Is it Alana who was Max's daughter? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, you know, she was in fallout, right. You remember? Yes. So that's where we first saw her. And I loved, I loved that they linked her back to Max in Me that. Too. Love and, it. uh, and so to bring her back for this one, uh, of course, Vanessa Kirby, who plays her, like her star has been on the rise uh, in the last few years. So it's not surprising they would bring her back. She's great right. in these action roles she's been doing. Um, she was in Hobbs and Shaw, the um, Fast and Furious spinoff. Right. Um, and uh, I don't know, was she of, in Fast 10? I didn't see it. She's, um the other thing too, she's, I, I haven't seen it yet, um, but she's got this charm about her that's, it's not just that she's like, um, uh, like a sex appeal it's not it's not just that she's got this this charm and refinement that was very it's very reminiscent of the max character you know the max yeah. character was an older woman but she just kind of had she did have kind of a, a sexy appeal to her but it, it was also just a, a charm to her you know i mean so right. i don't know i thought that, that I kind thought of crooked great. smile that she yeah, gives yeah. yeah 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 they they've both got a vanessa kirby and um vanessa redgrave who played max oh, good um job. So it was, uh, yeah, that, you know, whether, whether or not they, whether they had Vanessa Kirby kind of studying Vanessa Redgrave's, um, they had to have character, her, they you know, and her little nuances in the first Mission oh Impossible. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that she could carry that on and be like, okay, well, some of the stuff's genetic. Uh, yeah. I actually but, yeah, thought that great. she carried it on or, or she had more, um, detailed nuances than she did in fallout fallout she's just british and she's you know again still charming and cool but 
Um, she's also got like very um intense eyes, like yeah. you know, when she's like widening her eyes and stuff. And that's just a a, a great little thing about her as an actress but this movie she did some different mannerisms and how she handled herself that that were very much like max um well i feel like they expanded her role quite a bit in this one and then uh, which which may be leading to when we come to dead reckoning part two uh having even even further expanded uh role to play uh in this world of mission impossible um yeah, overall though, I would say uh, this was a really, really well done movie. Um, so many, uh, you know, you look back at the entire franchise, and uh, like I, I feel like you can split the franchise up into the yeah. like you've got the first three of them that are like a, a, a trilogy of that aren't really don't really feel connected. No, they're not. I mean, because especially like, especially you, you, first two, especially right. you got Brian De Palma uh, directing the first one, and it is it is straight up. I'm sure, there's action in it, yeah, but it is straight up. It is a spy movie, yeah, right, yeah, and and it's it's the kind of it's it's a thinker. Like you have to pay attention right to what's going on in the first 15 minutes to understand what's going on an hour and a half later, which uh, the second one, it's like a complete deviation from that. Yeah. Requires John really Woo no on there. Thought. John Woo. Yeah. He takes it on. And it's like, it's, it's music, just action action. It's just like, you know, bad bring shots, in, you know, let's bring in the double guns and yeah. the slow motion yeah. and the doves and uh, action. <laughs> oh uh, yeah man. that is that Very is funny. your that is mission impossible too and then three you get jj abrams in there oh. and it, it it's kind of a good combination of the two i think yeah. where you've got the action uh sure you have to put up with a lot of lens flares but whatever it's it's action it's espionage it, it was really great and then once you get the ghost protocol like now it feels like you've got this if not a continuing story you've got continued plot threads that are woven throughout right um and uh you know it's it's not just a shared uh experience between ethan and luther uh it's it's like this whole thing you actually have a a team that he's working with that he's coming he's become close with right and uh and so it makes sense when he's willing to uh sacrifice the greater good right. for someone he cares about. Did you notice that in this movie um and in all the other movies there seems to be a moment of where the audience has been tricked a little bit, you know, and and like even the first one, you were where uh John Voigt's sitting it's really Ethan Hunt, but he's he's sitting there and and you didn't necessarily I mean you could figure it out, right? I mean you knew what was coming. But yeah. it's almost like there was there was this ah uh-huh, oh there he is yeah yeah you know and we had you know you can't really count the opening scene of this movie that way because you kind of said it's either someone who's coming in there to kill them all or it's Ethan you know one of it's one of the two you know but yeah. but uh, there wasn't as much of that in this movie um, you're you're along the way you are in the dark about the AI the um what do they call it the uh the entity the entity that you're in the dark with as the entity just as much as the rest of them are yeah um, and how ominous i 
I think what was really cool about this movie is we've been spending the last few movies dealing with some arch nemesis, some Lex Luthor, or somebody like that that's just like in the know and trying to. But now you're getting into an an unknown territory of anticipation, of calculated algorithms anticipating moves, and in a real in a way that's really timely for for what we're seeing, especially. Yeah. With the chat uh, GPT or whatever that is, you know, and the, all the AI stuff. And it, I mean, this is a timely movie where, where we really are a little concerned about this thing. And they played on that so well. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was definitely, uh, I mean, they're striking while the iron is hot as far yeah. as uh, AI being a huge talking point these days and will only continue to be so as they continue to develop artificial intelligence uh and i for one welcome our robot overlords yes we want to say a positive note to the entity <laughs> and just say we're good <laughs> if we can just i mean i know people look at the movie wally and all the humans are on the spacecraft and they're you know obese and laying and can't reach their drinks but i'm actually looking forward to that um it's so, gonna be very relaxing i, I think so you know <laughs> um yeah i mean you know, ai is not bad in that movie they just take care of people right oh. uh um all right so so let's talk about the plot a little bit so we well we have talked about the plot a little bit but uh further exploring it so it's the opening sequence uh you know takes place on a russian sub and <laughs> i was getting uh hints of hunt for red october weren't you uh, when the oh whole thing gosh. started out because yeah. it was it was great how like they started out um you know the the voiceover was in russian and they yeah. you had the english subtitles but then then they switched there was them. english talking over the russian and then eventually it was just speaking english with the yeah. russian accent i was like oh that is that is so hunt for red october yeah. thank you for that <laughs> by the way i mean you know although i you know could have read the whole time i'm just like yeah, let's just not do that, you know. Right. I, yeah, I, I, I get it, you know, so thank you for the transition. Well, see, I left my glasses in the car, so uh, I, oh, you I was really had glad trouble. that we didn't have to uh, to read, because I would have been... Good thing you speak fluent Russian. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it really helps. <laughs> uh, Dostoevsky. <laughs> um, I could say vodka. <laughs> um, but yeah, the so that whole opening sequence, like, I was a little confused by, you know, what it was they were doing in that... Um, sphere uh when when it was all said and done but then i realized okay this is some kind of artificial intelligence that yeah. is screwing with them yeah because because i was like there's no way that uh that submarine just shows up on their radar or their sonar right and launches a, a torpedo at them when they're not supposed to be detectable help me out by the way with this so because this part got a little confusing for me. I think you'll be able to clarify. So they had this technology that they thought, you know, it just helps them to not be seen. Right. And that's all they thought it did was help them not be seen. But it turns out that it's more than they knew it was because then it starts taking over their system. And that's what does makes it look like there's another sub there. They launch against it. They think something's coming at them. And then they end up, it turns around and comes back to them. So right. here's the part that I have, I'm, I'm trying to understand. When Carrie Owens is talking about 
to Gabriel later on in the train. Um, about which Cariel was always great to see, always, anytime, even as a bad guy, even anyway. as a bad guy, anything at all, even loved him in Stranger Things for. All right, so when um when he's talking to Gabriel and sharing about about them getting that, how did why did they have it? Like, was it a U.S. thing that was made, and then Carrie Elwes shared it to them? That's so, okay. So that's how I understood it to be was that this was something that was uh, developed in the U.S. Um, by the intelligence, you know, probably not the CIA, but some someone within the intelligence field in the U.S. And then it was um, smuggled into Russia, probably by a double agent who, you know, working for America, but the Russians thought that they to were, make the Russians was, think that they had gotten the technology right, and uh, so okay, and gotcha. so this was from what was I understood plan. right. It was it, this was a planned almost like it was a um an a field test for this for the entity for this artificial intelligence to see how it would um respond in a real world environment, and it wound up destroying the sub that it was on um and i i i would imagine that uh you know it getting out and getting into the world's network was not part of the plan right um, but and that happened away from this sub right because i believe right. that the entities um that the sphere contains the source code isn't that it that right can't find the source code elsewhere because it's out there in the internet it's just out and so yeah. the only way they can so i guess what i'm confused about is they say the source code's there but then they keep talking about what does this unlock is it because we know that there's a sub that has the ball that has the source code but they don't know that there's a sub or they don't know that there's a ball inside the sink sub nor that it know where it is i mean is that what it is because they keep saying we what does it unlock right and it's like I mean, so it it unlocks the the apparatus inside the sub. Now, so again, this is this is how I understand it. Maybe I'm wrong, um, Christopher McQuarrie. If you're listening and would like to clue us in on please on how me. this actually works, um, you know, shoot us an email or something because I'd, I'd like to understand it better. Um, but I I think that before the sub was disabled by you know being destroyed by the torpedo. Um, I can only assume that it's it's at that point that the entity uploaded its artificial consciousness into the cloud, as it were, like the, the source code for right. the uh, okay, got it, yeah, right. So at that point, that's how it escaped into the world. It's its consciousness, its intelligence is out there and is able to infiltrate, you know, various programs, various nations, you know at will right but like you said the source code itself is still inside this container right that has the original technology in it and, and so luther, luther just to to make sure i'm understanding with him too he's gone away off grid with the hard drive of his because he's captured a little bit of what the entity was doing and he is trying to find a way to the source code with what he has separate from this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, so again, 
this is just how I understand it, and I could be wrong. But like what he has on that hard drive is uh think of it as like DNA evidence of yeah. uh, of this entity and that its existence, its fingerprints, this is how we're gonna be able to track it down. Um, you know, and maybe he's able to find a weakness with it right. on that hard drive. And so once they find the source code, they'll be able to figure out how to destroy it so that it is erased from existence. I think, I think that's, that's, that's the way it's logically making sense in my that, head. That makes we sense. We could get Dead too. Reckoning Part 2 and it'll completely turn that upside down. I don't know. You know how these spy yeah. movies are. There's always a twist. Yeah, it's, it's interesting um, how it's perceived too, because it talks about like it's scared, you know, and uh, that's very Terminator-esque. You know, there is yeah. a, there is a bit of a, a Skynet thing going on here, right? Um, we've always been talking about, uh, or not talking about, but experiencing in our movies and and culture about AI that oh no, AI will hit, and then the button's going to get pressed, and all the nukes get launched, and all. But this kind of presents it in a different way, you know. It presents it not in a way that's that's about like destroying the world. It presents it in a way more like um, manipulating or controlling. You know, um, not destroying the world, but like in Matrix, rather use the world, you know? It's very well, interesting when, concept. When we say the world, you mean humanity? Humanity is what I mean, right. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, some of what Kittredge was talking about, uh, you know, he was, you know, when he was saying that there's no more... Uh, I can't remember how he how he worded it. But it's it's not about like the next world war being fought uh in a certain way anymore. It's 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 gonna be fighting over the last of the our last resources, resources, the last right. clean air, the last clean water, the last food right. on the planet. You know, that is that is what it's that's what it's gonna gonna come down to. And uh I was thinking about that. I was like, man, he's not wrong. He's I not mean, wrong. We're we're screwed yeah. as a hu yeah. as human race. Uh, we, we're, we're so busy, uh, bickering over every little thing that, uh, you know, we're, we're ignoring the big stuff with, with all of our, our issues and, oh gosh, and, and, and just overpopulating the globe and hey, I don't know. I'm a breeder. Hold on. I bred. Don't, don't, don't hate the breeders. <laughs> well, just I'm because I'm childless. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? I'm looking at it too, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, Gene Roddenberry. I just, uh, I think we need to have those little things that make food. The little, uh, you know, we need some of those <laughs> uh, replicator replicators. We need replicators. Yeah, you know, you know what they use to make food in a replicator, right? Human waste. That's exactly right. <laughs> so you think about that next time you're ordering your Rectagino. Did they ever have uh, like an episode on Lower Decks that that talks about the replicator? Yeah. Oh, really? I haven't yeah. seen. It. That's yeah. yeah. That's how I. That's how I knew it was uh, human <laughs> waste was because they made a big deal about it one time. I just knew we were gonna go there. I just you know. Oh. Yeah, that was gross. Um. Yeah. So, Mission Impossible, great movie. Oh, it's keep so them, great. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Um. Yeah. All right. So so we've we've spoiled the plot enough, right? The, Artificial intelligence, it's out there. It's not doing anything yet. 
it's just letting us know that it's there and yeah. can do things to us. It's like, like at I this just, point, I'm here. Okay. At this point, we don't even know if the actors were present in this movie. It could have all been artificially made. I mean, it could have been. I mean, funny this was made before of, the strike, but uh, but that it, is part of the strike, know. isn't it? You know, yeah. part of the uh, SAG AFTRA aspect is you know the concern about using an actor's uh, likeness, paying him one day's wages for it, and using it in perpetuity. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, for the rest of their lives or beyond. <laughs> Oh yeah, and we're God. and we're not just talking about actors like the the main characters, the main actors in a movie. We're talking about it's, extras, like people in the crazy. background. Yeah, no, that is your one day wage. Yeah, that that it should be very. Oh illegal. my gosh. Um. Hey, yeah. Let's let's not talk about the strike because that'll open up a whole <laughs> other can of worms, and it'll just make me angry because I I mean, angry in a righteous sense of like i am on the side of the writers and oh, yeah. the actors and the in this oh, this sure. is for sure like if you if you ask me we should all be on strike against these corporate ceos who are making hundreds of millions <laughs> and of dollars yet we both went and saw the movie but that's because we're all I mean, we're we're enthusiasts of course okay but here's here's the thing too like um i know that there's probably some people out there that are thinking it's almost like when there's a, a sports person that goes on strike you know or or or, or is having trouble negotiating their millions of dollars contract. And you're just like, you're like, how in the world can you even, I, it's important to remember that, that there are so many actors that this applies to that do not, that are not the star studded, you know, everybody. It, I mean, it's important for everybody because everybody should have it. What well, I guess is what I'm saying, but this is so much bigger than just, yeah. you know, Tom Cruise and, you know, Emily Blunt and Celine Murphy, you know, it's See, what's not, yeah. What's great about the the you know the big names who are joining the picket lines, yes. they're they are using you know their position yes. to fight for the thousands of actors who are card carrying SAG members who are unable to afford health insurance and who are unable to afford rent right. because they are already working two and three jobs between auditions and trying to get right. acting jobs and i think i saw a thing the other day that said if if an actor does not make twenty seven thousand dollars a year in acting fees like you know as as an acting salary they cannot get insurance like they cannot get health insurance through through whatever means it is that's, that sag gets it i guess right um which just blows my mind You've got people out there who who are working regularly and they're still unable to make twenty seven thousand dollars a year. I mean, I know that's not the poverty line, but we're also think about this is California. This is Los Angeles. Cost of living is ridiculous. Right. Right. Well, I think that's I think that's part of the reason why so much moved to Atlanta. Um, you know, in the last decade, the Atlanta has become a hub for movie making um as has toronto and and uh, other locations but outside of la because it's just i mean it's it's expensive all around it's expensive for the studios it's expensive for actors it's expensive for everybody doing california but no i mean this is timely you know and um i'm still going to watch movies i'm not going to boycott watching movies it's not, it's not going to be long if they don't sit here and do something about it that there's going to be i mean I'm just going to flip over to binge watching shows that I never would have given a time of day for, you know, is right. what's going to happen. But yeah, well, I really hope uh, it settles soon. 
I feel like, well, I, I don't think it will. I think that they were saying that the earliest they can expect it is August, but more likely December or later. Yeah. Um, so I, I really feel like we're going to get into the fall television season if such a thing exists anymore. Um, and, uh, and, and see what they can do with reality TV again, like they did back in 2008. Right. Uh, but it's it I think it's gonna be harder this time because it's not just the writers on strike anymore. It's it's sag as well. And so you know, when you get the actors out there with them, uh, these you know, this is these are the ones who provide the studio CEOs with the means to make money that they have. And right. and they are forgetting that. And they are so they're they're blind to to what they are putting their actors and writers through. Who and... is the ominous? Who is the ominous producers, though? Because I, what I wanted to ask is like, and I was hoping you might know, is there? I mean, if if they have this agreement, are they having it? Can they have? Can certain studios? Can certain production companies, like say, I'm on board. I'm with you. Whatever you want. You know what I mean? And they say, they they can sign it, and then people can just work with that studio. Or is it like an all or nothing kind of a thing? You know, I, I guess that's what I, I have trouble understanding because it's like the producers. But there's certainly there certainly there are producers out there that are going, I think they're they're right. You know what I mean? Surely. I'm sure that there are some, but okay, so so the way that the AMPTP works, that's the Alliance for Motion Picture and Television Producers. Uh, they, they are the ones who basically they are hired to represent the interests of all the studios, all the streaming services, so that these, each of these individual studios and streaming services don't have to come to the table to negotiate. Oh, with I see the guild. So they have a representative body right? that comes to the table to meet with you know the sag after which is that representing body of all of them and that's right. where these guys meet and these guys can't agree and everybody else has to because they're participants has to let them talk is that right. it yes yes uh, so okay. so that's what it is the the amptp comes and and we're representing all of these different entities i see what i did there um you know making making it so that the producers but really the ceos and the executives continue to make as much money as they would like to make without having to pay any more out to their employees yeah whereas the the unions the guilds are are fighting just for their uh members to be able to make a living wage and that's it um you know again the big stars they have more leverage. They're able to negotiate bigger contracts and million dollar fees for yeah. being in your movie. Yeah. But your, your average everyday actor who comes on set and does their job day after day. Right. Are usually paid minimum wage, which right. is, you know, whatever that is for SAG-AFTRA. Right. Um, your writers are coming into these writers rooms and are being forced to, uh, work for next to nothing with the threat of AI out there right uh com, you know possibly coming in and taking over uh 
a writer's position because, hey, if a computer can string a bunch of words together, why not use that? I know it's it's crazy. And back to Mission Impossible. That was good how we entertained. We went back to the entity. Um, but no, it's good to talk about because I think there's a lot of people who I mean, you hear stuff, you know, that, and you see these posts. But I think there's probably a few people like me that are just like, who are the producers? You know what I mean? And of course, we hate them, but it's good to know who you hate. Um, so thank you for that. Um, hey, all right. So let me ask you a question. Going back to Mission Impossible. So what did you think of of Kittredge, you know, in this movie? Uh, so my first question is, where have you been for the last 25 <laughs> I years? I know. I, I mean, know. you were you were in the first one in 1996. And uh, here we are, 2023. <laughs> uh, what? Where have you been, man? You know what I want to see? I want to know where the guy is from the first Mission Impossible who was in the room who got sick. And Kittredge leans over to his buddy and says... I want him on a plane to Alaska. You know, he's like, Oh yeah. I mean, that poor guy, you know, would it be funny if he's like the arch bad guy? He's the one who created, <laughs> he's the one did, who created the entity. He's like, I'll show him. You know, did we, did we notice that the uh, Russian sub was uh, somewhere near Alaska under the ice? See, see, this is exactly what's happened. It's him. You oh know? my gosh. It's all come full circle. <laughs> This is why there's so many throwbacks to the beginning. Oh, All right, what you, you, you called it. You called it right here. Ladies I and gentlemen, totally Landon that. called it. The bad guy who created the artificial intelligence is the guy who they With, made sick yeah, in the, the first IBS Mission guy. Impossible right. and got sent to Alaska to run a radar tower. That's, That's what's happening. That's yep. what's going to be revealed in Dead Sorry. Reckoning Part 2. Sorry, people. I I hate to burst your bubble with that kind of stuff. That is that is brilliant, and I'm I'm putting it down. <laughs> Seriously, everybody watching this podcast, listening to this podcast, mark your date on your calendar. We are recording this. It is <laughs> July sixteenth. I wouldn't put money on it. I mean, just let's just have a friendly. Yeah. All right. All right. Fine. He's 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 saying it. He's backpedaling, but I I'm. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on board with this theory. I love it. I don't think I've ever seen you so enthusiastic about anything I've ever said. So I think that is the greatest (laughs) plot twist ever. Like, why would they bring back Kittredge for this movie unless there's a reason? All right. Hey, let's talk about another character that was interesting. So the CIA agent that's chasing Ethan from the get-go, that guy. The you know the the one who's trying to catch him the whole time and they have this exchanging. Yeah. There's something there, right? Yeah, I think they're actually secretly in love. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Did give you, you see the credit. way he put but his hand love... on his shoulder? There was no, a I'm little. Kidding. Did you hear the music in the background? It was like da 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 da. That yeah. was just the uh, Orient Express. Don't don't worry about right. that. Right. Um, no. There yeah, is yeah. something there, right? Um, Clearly, they have. I think they have had a run in in the past, probably not a positive one. Um, but uh, you know, I think his partner kind of got him thinking too, like you know, because because this now, what this side is probably one, and he said, you know, everyone's, you know, yeah, when it comes to the end of the ending. world, yeah, um, you know, but this guy, he, I feel like he's kind of got it out for ethan because he is a by this 
this guy that we're talking about is a by the book. I follow my orders. Right. Uh, and, and that's how you save the day. It's not by going rogue every 10 minutes uh, because you think this is the right thing to do. But uh, you know, I really think that his, his, you know, his partner was with him and, and said, well, what if Ethan's right? All right. Here's another one. Here's my theory that I leaned over to my wife and said, I said, what if he's like Emilio Estevez's brother? You know what I mean? Like from the first movie, how he how he dies, and he's always blamed Ethan for not catching it, catching the guy. You know. Well, then he would have been. They would have cast Charlie Sheen. <laughs> right, right. The actual half brother. Uh, right, right. But I was, um, I was thinking, like, what? It probably is some throwback. <laughs> Did you notice how too? We we really didn't get very much, and I'm sure we will in the next movie. Um, about about Ethan's connection to Gabriel, except this flashback of a girl, and obviously Gabriel kills that girl, and it's and then we find out about Ethan having a past prior to IMF. We find that the IMF is is not just like, hey, you're a CIA agent, and here you go, you can now you've upgraded, now you're in Top Gun, you now know? you're a super CIA yeah. agent. No, it's like a you had a checkered past or something, and that's how you get in. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, that was surprising to me. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a retcon um, as far as, you know, what it means to be part of the Impossible Missions Force because, uh, I mean, I, I feel like that completely negates Ethan's attempt to have a life uh, prior to and during the events of Mission Impossible 3 where he's married right. and and has a life. Uh, I think where, you're right. It, it feels like a retcon. It doesn't yeah. feel consistent. It doesn't feel consistent with um, John Voight's character, you know, and his role. And and right. uh, or even so, when you think about the handlers, the way they've talked about it is we just kind of call our man and say it, it just it it really deviates from the entire field in a way that if I was going to criticize, I think there's two things I would criticize. One, that doesn't seem like something that fits. It seems like they're a part of the CIA and are just, even if they're like a black ops, you know, kind of a version, but you don't pull it away like that. And the second thing that bothered me, um, and these are so, this is so nitpicky, um, but do you remember the part on the train where um, you had Max's daughter, uh, what was her name again? Uh, Alana. Alana. And you have Agent Carter over there who's pretending to be her. And she has the brown eyes. All right. I'm yeah. not bothered that Kittredge didn't recognize her um, or didn't see the brown eyes being different uh, because, you know, although the fact that he calls out that he knew her when she was a child. Right. And you you can't like forget the striking blue eyes of this this woman. But it's her right hand man. Yeah. Her no, bodyguard. Why he didn't he notice it in a heartbeat? Yeah. Listen, yeah. man, I can tell you. As a husband of 20 years, I can tell you, you miss stuff. You miss hair changes and you miss things and nails being done. But if someone you work with day in and day out or with constantly, their eyes go from sparkling, you know, uh, clear water blue eyes to brown. You don't notice that? You say, yeah. oh, you changed your clothes? Yeah, you know? no. There's no, no way. There's no way was, a man notices that she changed clothes before she changed her eye color. And please give me a break too. Like we knew it was her. You didn't have to give us the brown eyes so we'd remember, right? You know? 
You certainly didn't do that kind of crap in the other movies. You, you know went far you... enough to give her the, the voice the chip voice on her match. throat and right? make sure that we saw that so that I mean, she had to take that off. Why not give her the color oh, contact lenses? That was a bad choice. That was yeah, a bad that was... choice. But those are really the only two things I think that 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 got me. Um, I did wonder what happened to the train conductor. You know what I mean? Um, did, uh, they both, did they both got kicked off and died, didn't they? Gabriel, if I recall. Uh, Gabriel kicked one of them off. He hung the other one by the whistle so that oh. whenever the train would move like the but whistle would dead. automatically go off but yeah yeah, yeah, he's, yeah he's, hung. he's 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 way hung. dead um now anyway. as far as like why the train kept whistling after uh ethan and um it was Haley atwell's character um Did we get her name <laughs> grace 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 um grace yeah so when they were in the in the engine there uh it's trying still, to stop the train yeah. <laughs> i was like did they take take him off of there because you didn't see him hanging there anymore no you're like, but the whistle was still going off it's like well that doesn't make any sense his body wasn't anywhere either so it's just like i think they just chucked him over there's like yeah that's just one of those things they forgot continuity right. error um, um i really uh, i'm gonna say this as a red-blooded american male i i, I might be in love with Haley atwell what an amazing job. She she's a, she's great. And you know, the other side too is after watching her in a, and of course the Marvel movies and uh from the first Avenger to Agent Carter to um Doctor Endgame. Strange uh and Endgame and 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 seeing her, I really feel like she's been um a bit of an unsung hero in comparison to other people. And seeing her here, it's almost like ah, good, good yeah, now. She got now second billing friends. after Tom Cruise. Yeah. So I, you know, I kind of hope this is this is the next thing that causes her star to kind of launch. Because uh, I, I think I, she's great. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Were you surprised to see um Rebecca Ferguson die? No, actually I wasn't. Yeah. Um well, they, they did a lot of foreshadowing, right? You had yeah. uh, of course at the beginning when you thought she was dead um at just at that beginning with the sniper thing but then you had um they had that that time when they were together that enduring moment and and then being in venice and it's just like yeah yeah she gone you know yeah um yeah i was not surprised i and that was one of the things too that i was really impressed by with with the ai uh the entity like knowing um Ethan so well that uh you know he would do everything in his power to keep the people he cares about alive yeah but that no matter what he did one of those women was gonna die right and um yeah so I I knew I knew it was gonna be Rebecca Ferguson uh or Ilsa I knew it was gonna be her uh because uh well she didn't get second billing in the credits <laughs> so I'm like, well, you know, Grace is going to make it all the way to the end. Yeah, um, I didn't know about the second billing, but I, I, I guess, I wondered if they would have um, Grace because she's a lesser known act actress. Um, if she would go, but I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad how it turned out. There were some things that were just like mind boggling to me. Um, how the AI could know some things but not know and anticipate other things. 
but he's a young AI. You know, it's the entity's young. I'm sure it will continue to grow and, and be able to manipulate events better and better over time. It's only been around for a couple of years. He's because I th think like what well, I'd really like the airport scene. I thought that whole thing, especially with Simon Pegg, um, uh, what's his name in the movie? Um, Benji. Benji. Yeah. The, the whole manipulation of Benji getting his voice down and then being able to, and then having that bomb um, have nothing in it, but just that the whole thing they did there with him was, I mean, really amazing. Yeah. Part about the AI <laughs> not anticipating the, um, the camera tricks, you know, that, that was, um, and, and where Ethan would be. Or are we to assume that the AI, the entity, knew where Ethan was at all times? Well, and... because at that point, he wasn't trying to evade uh, uh, Gabriel. Right. Or or the entity at that point. He was he was just trying to evade the CIA agents who were after right. him in the, in the airport. I guess it's just you either have two choices. You can look at things like it's like there's a lot of aspects here that you can't cover in all of it because it's too intrinsic or you look at it the other say other way and say it's so intrinsic that all aspects were covered and i guess we kind of have to lean that toward it's just you know ai and in, in the entity it's so ominous because so much of everything is technical technological now and social media face recognition i mean even us here doing this with the video and voices and you know, Allegra all around the house. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say her name because she wakes up. She's right. probably always awake, actually. And but she's you know, listening to you right now and she's reporting everything you say back to the CIA. Or Amazon. I mean, for the love. I mean, how many times have I pulled up and I have an ad come up and it's not something that I looked up, but I talked about. You know, how did I mean? he even know I was talking about ukuleles? That's exactly what I'm saying. I'll bet you anything a ukulele is going to pop up on my feed somewhere. Yeah, you're going to be scrolling through Facebook and you're like, hey, a ukulele. there are ukuleles on sale right now. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't I just have to think about something. And then suddenly it shows up on the sidebar on uh, Twitter. Like what? Fear. I was just thinking about that yesterday. By the way, I'm one step closer to doing the Wally thing, becoming like the humans and the Wally. I've Are your bones getting smaller? <laughs> yes, and I'm getting fatter. <laughs> now, Aren't we all? <laughs> no, no, no. I've I've purchased something called Vitcher, which are these glasses that you can put on your face, and it'll connect to your game, and you can like you can play. It's like you're wearing sunglasses, and the screen is right here, and you're what you can watch a movie. You can watch, and it's sunglasses. It's the coolest thing in the world. You look it up. V i t u r e. And it's uh, burn out your retinas. What a way to go! You know, it's like that's like when you were a kid and you've got too too close to the TV, and your mom would say, "No, you're you're gonna go blind if you watch the TV that close." You're watching <laughs> TV on your glasses. You're gonna, you're definitely going blind. If there was anything that tops. was gonna make me blind, <laughs> this is PG. If there's anything that was gonna make me blind, it would have been Virtual Boy. Back, oh you remember gosh. Virtual Boy? From yeah, uh, we just talked about it last week. Oh my gosh, with the red thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We talked about it. So, but yeah, so this thing is pretty cool, but I'm sure it's, you know, capturing my eye movements, much like that THX, you know, where where it's like watching your eye capture 
different uh, so it's things. memorizing your retinal scan so that uh, in the future <laughs> when we're using that to get into our safe deposit boxes, the AI knows and it, it can get in there for you. Yeah. yeah and you, I'll, way I'll to never... fall for that one, Landon. Whatever. What a way to go. Um, Sucker. I, uh, I'll, I'll never get tired of the mask on the face thing. You know, the what I what I love oh, yeah. about this movie, though, you thought you were talking to Aaron this whole time. But really, I love oh, how the, really the, the CIA guy goes and he's pulling on people's faces. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, you know? he did it twice. Yeah, he did it twice on, on Kidron's face, too. Um, were you surprised at the humor in the movie? Because there was some really kind of fun little. Uh, it, it didn't seem out of place uh, any more so than any other uh, Mission Impossible movie. I mean, you, you always got to have that at least some comic relief. It can't be serious the whole time. No, but like the car scene, the little yellow car, that was a fun yeah, scene. That was that was I funny. That. Uh, I liked um, when Benji put his car on auto drive and uh, and moved it to the passenger seat, and he's like. <laughs> yeah, put on the seatbelt real quick before uh, this thing doesn't really know what it's doing. Oh man, poor Orient Express. You know, I mean, uh, there's dozens of them. It's fine. Oh, okay, <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. So let's see. Is what else? I mean, have we already talked about the stunts a little bit? Not... I think we covered stunts pretty well. I wanted to ask what you thought about the train scene. Um, like, and the different rooms that they had to go through at the end when it's falling off the tracks. Yeah. Because I was like, I was trying to think about the I was tense. Of it. Yeah, I was, I was tense. tense the whole time. The the fryer where it had the, fr when it was the kitchen scene. When the grease was when sloshing gr around. Oh. I was like, <laughs> all right, someone's turned into Two-Face on this. Oh my gosh. That part, the rest of it was like, uh, I don't know if you've, um, if you remember from the movie Uncharted. Or in the video game Uncharted, one of the Uncharted games, you you have a train that you're going through similarly as it's you know and you're having to do this. It, it threw back to that so well, but um, I kept working out the physics. And I'm just like, gosh, wouldn't it just pull the whole thing off? And no, maybe not. So it's just happening. And just you thought, okay, one train car, and they're going to get and get out of it. No, but then you got another train car, and then you got right. another train car. Um, well, so I was thinking about the physics of it, and uh, like when it happened. The, my first thought was, uh, you know, as soon as as soon as the uh, engine flew off the track and and crashed into the ravine, um, you know, they're standing there at the edge and it's still coming. I'm thinking Spider Man Two, Spider Man Two, <laughs> stop it, stop it. Um, yeah. But then I was like, wait a second, yeah, they stopped this, but the momentum of like 60 cars coming oh, it's still pushing it yeah yeah so That's like true. i'm like oh they're they're gonna have to run uh and I, like yeah. i don't know how many how many cars are gonna fall off of here but several are and uh, so i was anticipating that yeah there um, were a lot of them though most most movies that have like a train falling or something like that <clears throat> or any of those scenes it's a couple of them but good lord it was a there was a lot to go through yeah the i think they, scene, they that was like destroy a, four like yeah. I think four different cars to get through. Um, but it was, it was very tense and uh, I thought that was really well done. Um, man. Is it, and is that girl is the girl who um, the, 
Um, is that Mantis, the girl who was the yeah. bad guy? Oh, she's yeah. so great. Tom Clementif. Uh Pretty great. And I I think they're they're implying that she survived and so she'll probably come back for part two. Still um cool. man, uh, the the AI called that one. Uh you know, the assumption that uh because Hunt uh spared her life that she would eventually betray the entity. And uh and sure enough, that's that's what happened. So here's the question though. So smart entity. Did the entity anticipate yet again that Gabriel wouldn't get the key that Ethan had pawned it off? No, I think that's I think that's a, a kink in the in the plan. Yeah. And here's another thing too. So here this is this is a little matrixy. Um like you know, you know in the matrix where when he goes to visit the oracle, she says, and don't worry about the vase. And he turns and says, What vase? And he knocks and, and knocks the vase over. She goes, That vase. And uh what'll really and then she you. asks, yeah. you know, like she asks, Would you know what's gonna burn your noodle later is would you have still broken it if I hadn't said something? Right. And so that's that's the thing with uh uh I don't know if we got her character's name. Uh, Palm Clementif, uh, you know, if, would she have betrayed the entity if Gabriel hadn't stabbed her and yeah. turned on her first? Right, right. Um, because is, I don't think she would have had the opportunity. I don't think yeah. she would have had the opportunity to to betray the entity to hunt because yep. she was clearly on the side of the entity this entire time. Right. And then because she was stabbed and left for dead. Uh, she had the opportunity to help Ethan and try to satisfy her curiosity and find out why he spared her life. So the interesting thing about it is, is that there is a Carrie Elwes says that he's the only one who knows the location or where you can use the key. But then Gabriel clearly knows, which I guess we're assuming one of two things with that. Well, I guess the only assumption is that the that that the entity has told him where yeah. it is. Um but uh there is the question of how the keys got found in the first place. Because both men were under the water and had risen to the top. Mm-hmm. So they both had a key around their neck. Did whoever got the key didn't just go down or we to like how did that happen? That the keys got separated, that one was found and and then nobody went down to the sub. I I mean I think the assumption there is that the the separate keys were found separately because I don't think they found like all of the bodies all at once. Um, they they mentioned that they were they wound up being frozen in the ice pack until uh, the ice thawed in the spring, and so like I think we're we're looking at like several years of of development here where um like from the beginning of the movie and that opening scene on the sub uh to the actual events of the movie i think we're at least a couple of years maybe yeah, of so um is. you know th- things developing and and those keys being out in the open so um you know i don't think that they would have assumed that uh the <coughs> the sub being uh on the ocean floor at that or close to that 
area where they found all the bodies would necessarily be the here's what i'm thinking for the lock i'm thinking about the the movie the abyss all right and maybe maybe it's because it wasn't a nuclear sub it wouldn't matter but the movie abyss you know you have a sub and they go it's got and it's it's a nuclear sub and so they have a mission to go after to try to go get the nuclear warhead off of the sub that's sunk so i guess what i'm wondering is is like if it's not a nuclear sub then maybe they just leave subs with regular missile warheads down in the water and you just let it be you're just like there you go but if it had something valuable on it and russia would have known about that technology which is still i mean that's pretty important technology to have the uh and the invisibility cloak thing even if it's not the full ai they didn't know that still it would have been something to recover right, right. so i guess i just I, that and that maybe i'm maybe i'm overthinking things but it's just i just have trouble understanding how the keys got separated from that place right there you know and now we're going full circle where the keys are out in the wind and maybe the entity's goal was to have that thing sink there, transmit itself up, and nobody would ever find it again. But then by chance, people found the keys, and now the AI had to send this whole mission about in the effort mm-hmm. of employing Gabriel because he knew he needed Gabriel because... To get the, under Ethan's pinch, skin. In a pinch, Ethan would kill him as an alternative, um, or he would succeed and get the keys and safeguard his future. So, I mean, geez... It's it's a mind-boggling thing. There's a lot of complexity to it. And so. uh and I thought that Isai Morales did a great job as Gabriel. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. I it, this is a guy who I mostly remember as uh Richie's Richie Valens' older brother in La Bamba. Uh he's a great know, actor. Back in the day. Oh my gosh, he's so good. And he's such a great bad guy. I really got to know him from uh, Titans when he played Slade Wilson. Um, and, you know, he's he's good in that. But I feel like I saw him in something else before that. Not that, not La Bamba. Let me try to think where I saw him from. Well, if you haven't seen him in La Bamba, you need to see it again. Um, he was on uh, Jericho. Uh, remember that Jericho. TV show years ago? Yes. Uh, he was on there, I think, um, and did a really great job, too. He's He, he really is. He's a good actor. Um and and so so menacing as Gabriel in this very menacing. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm hoping we get to see more of that uh, that backstory because we just got that brief brief flashback uh, to uh, to what led to Ethan becoming uh, part of the IMF. So what's your theory, A girl? You know, girlfriend. You know, what sister? Um, I mean, what what are, what are we talking about here? You know, I would say some kind of love interest uh, based on the way that uh, Gabriel was trying to manipulate Grace. Right. Uh, saying these women all come into his life and they yeah, all end up dead. Point. And, you know, they're, they're at the end when, uh, <clears throat> you know, Ethan, when his, in his mind, he was flashing, he flashed to the that first woman who we don't know, Marie, um, that he that Gabriel killed in the flashback. Yes. And then we see um Ilsa and then we see Grace. I was like, they could have thrown in a whole lot of other 
uh, characters from previous movies that have died. Like they could have thrown in Carrie Russell from the third they one. They really could have. Um, his the the woman he was married to. Right. Um, Michelle Monaghan. Right. Uh, they could have uh, thrown in. Uh, was it Tandy Newton who was in the the second one? Yeah. Yep, um, yep. we never got an explanation of what happened to her. She just disappeared. He was in Ozark. He was Dell. Ah. Uh, um. Uh, Jim's wife in the first one, her her death, you know, all of these women who have come in and out of his life, uh, and and have wound up dead because <laughs> of, uh, the life that he leads and just right. the the consequences of, uh, you know, their actions, but his actions as well. Right. And and of course he takes that on himself because yeah, his of the, failure the man that he protect, is his failure to protect them, right? That's yeah, no, it's true. So really, you know, and we've gone through situations where we thought you know Simon Pegg was going to die, Benji was going to die. Um, I can't remember about being Rames. If there was like, I don't think he was specifically targeted, but there's quite a few things, uh, you know, with with all of the people he's been around. Um, and you know the whole aspect of i think what we get in ghost protocol you you spend the whole movie thinking something happened to his wife right. um you know uh and and because that's the story Monica, they wove yeah they wove it that way purposefully and then mm -hmm. at the very end you get the the very nice treat of him seeing her from a distance her seeing him and and you know and then you get that and that never settles for anyone because you're just like oh will they ever and they tie it off well and fall out you know, yeah. but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't, it's crazy to me because they, they talked about it like all these women die, but really, I mean, you had Jim's wife, he wasn't really with her, you know, no. I mean, that, she was manipulating him and he kissed her, but you know, I mean, or sort of like a half kiss, uh, Tandy Newton. Uh, I think they slept together off screen. There you go. Probably. Um, just like when characters go to the bathroom or eat a sandwich right. somewhere yeah. off screen. Tandy Newton didn't die, saved her, you know, um, the wife didn't die, even though they made it look like she did from S Philip Seymour Hoffman. She didn't die. She ends up getting married and even saved her again in Fallout. And so it's like the really the only one that we've seen thus far that's died was his apprentice, Carrie Russell. Yeah, I mean, really? I mean, that's that's pretty much it. It's not like we're talking about a million Bond movies where all the Bond girls, you know, there's Bond girls that die. So. I don't know. It was a, it she was painted like, gold. Yeah, it felt like a little bit of a stretch about all the women and people he's lost. Well, again, Gabriel was manipulating Grace and and trying to convince her that Ethan's not any good for her, and right, and he's right. not really going to look out for her. Though he said, "I will look after you before I look after myself." Right. Basically, uh, I know that's not the line. I'm paraphrasing, but. Um, you know, basically saying I will put your life before mine. Yeah. And uh I mean that's that's a big deal. And he means it. He you know it was but it he was I'm sure he was. I'm sure he blames himself for any of those deaths that have come uh you know anywhere in his presence or or because of a mission that he was on. Um, right. I'm sure he he feels that failure um every time. I'd still be throwing back to the first movie. His entire team was killed. You know, that's that's far more. I mean, geez, that's a lot of deaths, you know, yeah. all at the beginning of the movie. I mean, crazy. And they blamed him for it. Yeah. 
Oh, did you notice the exchange between him and Kittredge? Yeah. Upset, I know? understand you're very upset. And and this time he didn't say, you've never seen me very upset. upset. Well, yeah, you have. You saw him upset 25 years ago, and now, yeah. Why would I be upset? Red light, green light. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Man, I want to watch the first one now. Oh, I'm totally going to. We're going to have the kids watch it, so. Yeah, we're we're gonna go through do, all do the whole marathon. I, I I am. We're finishing Maverick right now, and then we're gonna hit it up. Maverick, the uh, the car plane movie. <laughs> no, it'll be the uh, other Tom Cruise movie. Though it uh, would be uh, fun to watch Maverick with Mel Gibson. I love that movie. That was, that was a good movie. movie. I liked it. Um. All right. So, are you interested in some trivia? Are you gonna make it up as you go this time, or I'm actually- not. I oh, actually okay. have five oh. questions. Ready to go. This is about the entire Mission Impossible franchise, so I'm pulling from everywhere. Not the TV show, though, right? Not the TV show. No, this is not. This is just the film franchise. All right. All right. Number one. In which Mission Impossible film does Ethan Hunt famously dangle from the ceiling in the CIA's secure vault? I'm giving the audience a pause. Uh, It's the first one. That is the first one, 1996 Mission Impossible. Number two, who directed the fourth film in the franchise, Ghost Protocol, in 2011? Hint, it was this director's first live-action feature. Really? If you need another hint, I can give you uh, at least one of the animated films that he has directed. Because it's the only know. one I can think of, but I know there are several. I don't know that that'll help me. I'm not an animated film director, you know. Uh, Actually, I can think of two. Uh, all right, name one of the films. Uh, he did The Incredibles, and he did The uh, Iron Giant. I'm I'm gonna know the name, aren't I? You might, Brad Bird. I don't know the name. Okay, but uh, for any anyone who did know that, good job for you. Well done. Uh, number three. What dangerous virus does Ethan Hunt need to retrieve to prevent global catastrophe in Mission Impossible 2? Chimera. Chimera, very good. Can I get a That's... bonus question by telling you what its um cure was? Go ahead. Or a bonus point. Bellerophon. Yes. Chimera. Um, all right, number four. What Oscar-winning actor? Played villain Owen Davian in Mission Impossible 3. Philip Seymour, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I yes. will always think of from Twister, actually. <laughs> always. <laughs> always. Oscar winner Philip Seymour Hoffman, that crazy guy from Twister. <laughs> Do you Man. remember what movie was he saying where he said he sharted? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Um, that was uh, along came Polly. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He's like, you are Dude, absolutely. We dis- have to go right now. Why? I just sharted. You what? I had to fart, and a little bit came out. That's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. That may be so, but we still need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my favorite, my favorite scene in that is when he takes over at the uh, the insurance thing. At the end, he's trying. He's he's trying to argue, uh, giving the wealthy guy the insurance policy, and he says, "Oh, 
and then at the end of it, he like he he finishes a speech, and one of the guys at the table is like, "Weren't you that guy from whatever movie it was that was like his only big thing?" He's like, <laughs> "Yes, I am." <laughs> That's so funny. Oh man, he was such a good bad guy in Mission Impossible Three. By the way, he was. He was. He, he was awesome. Like I'm not sure which which villain I like more, him or the guy from uh, Rogue Nation. Yeah, he's a good bad guy. I mean, and and definitely a change in his uh, appearance and all that. He's pretty versatile, you know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Final question. Number five. What iconic landmark does Ethan scale in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? Oh, I don't I don't know what the name of it is, but it's that tallest building in the world. It is. It's the Burj Khalifa. In Dubai, Burj Khalifa, Dubai. Yeah, it's it's the <clears> DJ Khaled. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Uh, that's not to be confused confused with the buildings where, uh, Vin Diesel drove a car from one building to another to another. I mean, that was just ridiculous. I'll I'll buy Tom Cruise climbing up the side of a building like spider-man before i'll buy that they could drive that car from from one skyscraper to another i'm that's uh, that's very fair yeah absolutely just can't do it can't do it norm well i got a i got quite a few of those not too bad yeah all right uh so that wraps it up for us and our discussion of mission impossible dead reckoning part one join us next week when we'll be talking about mission impossible dead reckoning part two no just kidding because that won't one come year. out until was it next year the yeah, dead july, reckoning 2 out? july 28th or something like that or next year or something like yeah, that. yeah we'll see we'll see it depends on how long the strike lasts you That's know true 2025 2026 you know say hi to my dogs by that time, hi Christo. By that time, the AI entity might have already taken over this side of the camera. Probably. So. Um, yeah. I'm sure by then we will both be using AI filters that make us look like I don't know awesome. something cool. <laughs> um, Some, something neat, I guess. I don't know. What is? What are we? What's? What are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? I don't know. It's best not to make any promises these days. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I don't Stay think tuned. I don't think that our topic next week <laughs> is about a movie. Um, oh, even though there are two two impressive movies coming out next week. Oh, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah, Barbie will be going to see. <laughs> Barbie I'll watch on the video or not. I I don't know. I <clears throat> I mean it looks funny, you know, and yeah. of course it's got Will Ferrell in it, so I probably will see it just to see Will Ferrell. But um, since I've got Regal Unlimited, I I feel like I should go see both. It's just going to depend on if I've got time to do it. If I don't have time to see both, I want I definitely want to see Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer looks awesome. I mean, yeah, it, it really it does. Awesome. So, all right. Well, we'll have to we're, we'll we'll regroup and figure out what our next. We'll figure that out. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're on YouTube, if you're listening, thanks for uh, being on the Spotify or the Apple podcast or wherever it is you listen to find podcasts. Um, and be sure to tell your friends. Hit that like button, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, 
joint conversation. What did you think if you've seen uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1? Let us know. Let us know what you think. Um, are you as in love with Haley Atwell as I am? Um, if not, and you happen to know her, could you give her my number? I'd, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, otherwise, uh, we just want you to have a great whatever it is, wherever you are. See ya.